Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right, my friends, well, we are in uh, week number six of this series called Revival Starts Within, and we've been talking about the ways and the rhythms of people who long for more of God. And I'm really excited about today because we actually, here in a little bit, you're going to get to hear a story from someone here in our church, a woman here in our church, who I believe has experienced uh, something amazing and powerful that all of us need to hear um, and just just hear not only how God has moved, but be encouraged in our own faith. And so we're going to get to that in a little bit. I'm very excited. It's coming soon in the next, uh, you know, hour or two. <laughs> um, but uh, first, I do want to talk about something. I want to talk about what happens to all of us in this journey of faith that we're on, this journey of longing for more of God. Uh, for all of us, I think we all simply have a time where we hit a wall. You know what I'm talking about? Um, you know, it's similar to how on Friday afternoon at 2 p.m., some of us hit a wall, right? We're ready for the weekend. That's Thursday at 2 p.m. for some others in the room probably. But uh, I remember when I was probably 13 or 14 years ago, I came home from a, a summer camp. But it had been like two weeks leading up to the summer. Just hard work, you know, and I barely slept that week because students were keeping me up. This is like back in the day when I thought I could just keep going, right, 24 hours a day. And I've never been so tired in my life when I got home. Like literally to this day, the memory makes me tired. You know what I mean? And I remember getting home and my mind finally said, you're done. And my, we had one kid at the time and I, I was wanting to say hi to Emily, but I literally could not keep my eyes open and I fell on the, anybody ever been that exhausted before? You just like, you are spent, you hit the wall. You know what I'm saying? Marathoners talk about hitting the wall. I don't know anything about that. Um, <laughs> but there's this, this reality where we hit a wall of exhaustion physically that some of us are familiar with, but I think there's also, if we're being honest, there's, there's other types of walls that we hit in life, sometimes in our faith, sometimes in our spiritual life, and life can be overwhelming, it could be our jobs or our busyness or whatever it is, but we hit a wall, and then sometimes those walls are, are, are they're kind of, they come from the unexpected things we encounter in life, right? Whenever we, we run into hardship or tragedy or an injury or a sickness, or something that comes out of the blue, like the loss of someone we love. And we hit a wall, and it's very difficult to navigate that wall. And so I want to talk about this. I want to show you something on screen that will sort of lay the groundwork of what I'm talking about. And how these walls can play out in our life um, towards this journey of more God. This is called The Stages of Faith. The Stages of Faith. And uh, this comes from a book called The Critical Journey by Janet Hagberg. And... This is stage theory. If you're into any sort of this kind of stuff, stage theory is interesting because it's not necessarily, uh, um, it's basically saying, hey, me and your, your journey, my journey, that it has a similar experience and sort of stages that we would go through. And I would just say this, I, I nor Hagberg, who wrote this, would necessarily say that this is absolutely true, that everyone goes through one, two, three, four, five, six stages in life, one at a time. But this is the normal Christian experience, right? And this is what is considered normal, and here's the deal. Some of us are abnormal. I get it. Life is not, or, and faith is not always predictable. Um, so I say all that as my disclaimer up front to say life is not a linear process, but we all like linear lists, don't we? Who doesn't get down with a one, two, three list, right? And so 
This is what we're going to walk through today for just a few minutes. Um, but stage one is this, and I'll just kind of walk through them quickly. Uh, the recognition of God. That your faith journey begins with the recognition of God. This is the same, no matter if you're a child or an adult, there's a point in which you acknowledge God in your life. For me, it was when I was 14 years old. I realized that I had come to a point in life that I needed to surrender my life to God. I needed to publicly profess my faith. And so I did that. I prayed to receive Christ. I asked for forgiveness of my sins. I got baptized. Some of you have a story like that. Some of you have other stories. But no matter what age you are, stage one is where everybody's journey of faith begins from a Christian context, from a Jesus context, in which we would say, this is where I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. I'm recognizing this. And so we all begin at stage one, and no one can move to stage two until they've done, until they've done stage one. You understand? You can't get to stage two. Now, you can, go, you can go back and forth once you get to these stages, but stage two is the life of discipleship. This stage is characterized by learning about God, right? This is what it means to follow Christ, for example. You step deeper into getting... Um, into things like a church community or perhaps learning how to pray or reading the Bible. And you even start to learn more deeper theological things about God. And so for a lot of us, this journey begins with like a flannel graph, maybe, if you're old enough for that. Or maybe it moves to other books, you know, like you read your first C.S. Lewis book and it blew your mind or something like that. And then it moves on to where you put on like a WWJD bracelet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're coming back if you don't know. But anyway... Um, this is that season where it's the life of discipleship you're learning about God. And stage three is the productive life. This is when you start doing things for God. You start doing things with other believers, and you start getting involved in serving Him and making your life more about Him. This is the good work of being the good church, you know what I'm saying? And at this stage, we've acknowledged God, we're learning about God, and now we're doing our best to be productive for God. Does this sound familiar? Is this sounding like the stages that we've all walked through? Around stage four... Maybe right before stage four or even a little after you've went stage four, we all seem to hit a wall. At least many people seem to hit a wall in their journey of faith. Meaning you have a life, you're growing in Christ, and then you hit a wall. It may be a wall where you begin to question God with new questions. You know, a lot of times a, a student that maybe came to know, they recognize the other being productive in high school. They go to college and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I got all these new questions, and they start to question God. You know what I'm saying? And they start to question faith and, and all the things they grew up with, and they hit a wall. But sometimes it's not that kind of questions. Maybe it's questions because you experienced something that doesn't make any sense. It's confusing. It's, it's turned your world upside down. And sometimes people just plain old get exhausted, and they hit the wall. I'll come back to this wall idea in just a moment, but I want to finish the stage. Stage four is the journey inward. So the wall compels us to the journey inward. Sometimes the journey inward leads us to the wall. Are you with me? But it's during the journey inward that we look deeper within ourselves to deconstruct the flesh that's still hanging on to us. But we also start to consider our faith in new ways. And we have a deeper understanding of what our faith is really about. And we are understanding that faith isn't just about learning and doing, which is what stages two and three have been about. But it's about something more than that. So the journey inward then leads us to stage five. And this stage represents what happens once you've passed through the wall. And perhaps you've experienced a breakthrough, maybe a crisis of faith that you've experienced. And it reengages you in the act of life of faith. But it's different than stage three. 
Stage five is like you have a deeper, richer experience with your faith to where the things that you're doing now mean more than they used to mean. Are you with me? And so you give out of a new understanding of God's love and his faithfulness. You're serving, you're giving, your purpose are now refined, they're renewed, and they're overflowing out of you as a person who knows who they are in Christ. And this assurance that you live with, it helps you express your faith with more boldness and more courage. It's more natural to you. It's not always so forced. There's a lot less fear. And this leads to Hagberg's final stage, which is stage six, a life of love. And a life of love is characterized by someone whose heart, mind, and soul have been transformed by the love of Jesus, right? And they have a clear and constant desire for more of Jesus. This doesn't mean this person is some sort of spiritual guru. They're not a monk. They're not a pastor. I mean, who would want to be one of those? <laughs> um, this not, doesn't mean you're like one of the, but a life of love describes someone who's grown from childhood to adolescence to now adulthood, if you will, in their faith. They are mature believers who possess a deep faith in word and deed. Hagbert states that you can experience, and this is important to know, stage six without going through all the other stages and a wall or two in your life. Are you with me? So again, this is not definitive or absolute. I was born into stage six. I'm the, I'm the exception. <laughs> this is a theory, though, that describes normal spiritual maturation. So with that said, let's talk about walls. Let's talk about these walls. Let's talk about the wall that appears through crisis often. Um, a lot of us experience walls where our world will get turned upside down. It comes perhaps through a job loss, a death of a loved one, a cancer diagnosis, a betrayal, an injury, a wayward child, a hurtful church experience, a marriage struggle, some sort of huge disappointment, some sort of longed desire or dream that never seems to come to pass. This is sounding like a wall that anybody in here has endured, come up against. For some of us, it's just this pure wall of exhaustion. We've been running hard, too hard and too long. We haven't put ways and rhythms in our life that are really ready to experience that, and we hit a wall. And when we run into that wall, we begin to question ourselves. What's wrong with me? Why'd this happen to me? And for a lot of us, we begin to question God himself. And our faith begins to waver. And in those seasons of the wall, if you will, faith doesn't always give us what we seem to want because we start to pray about the wall and we don't get the answers to the prayer that we need. You know, we may go to church and it feels empty to us. Like you walk out, like, I don't even know why I'm going. Or maybe we pray for healing and it never comes. Or maybe we pray and believe for a better job or a better financial situation and just nothing ever seems to materialize. Or maybe we're faithful and we're productive and things like things are going well, but you find yourself losing joy as you seem to be supposed to be serving and that should be giving you joy. You pray for your child, yet they seem to get further and further away from you and from the Lord. And you pray for relief, but nothing comes. So this wall comes in these seasons, they create a wall and it's at these walls that our faith journey comes to a crossroads, doesn't it? Will I trust God with this? How long, God, do I have to wait? God, are you even real? 
And if you are real, do you even care about me? How many of you guys know that God is okay with your questions? How many of you guys know that God is actually big enough for your questions? God doesn't want you to doubt, but he's big enough to actually hear your doubts and walk with you through your doubts and struggles. God actually wants to increase your faith and remove your doubt, but he's also there for you just as much in your doubts as he's there for you just as much in your faith. Maybe you've had a friend, or maybe you personally have walked through one of these seasons of doubt and struggle. And you share this. You're vulnerable enough with someone, and you share your, your questions and your doubts. And then what you've encountered is people, they're really like, oh, no, your faith is wavering. And so they start throwing at you all these stage two resources. Have you read the book about this? How are you having your quiet time? And you're like, listen, this is not a season of learning I'm in. I need a season of breakthrough. Listen, breakthrough brings a lot of learning. But we're talking stage four stuff is way different than stage two stuff. Doesn't mean stage two stuff's bad. It's just not where you're at because what you're encountering at the wall is where your faith comes at a crisis with the brokenness of the world. And so you have to ask yourself, what do I do at the wall? By the way, the Bible is full of stories like this, isn't it? Remember Abraham? His walls of not being able to have a child for years. Can you imagine the years of disappointment that was? And I know so many people have had the same disappointment. About David, I love David's story because here's a guy who steps out at a young age. He has this moment with David and Goliath, right? Where he's like courage, boldness, all this kind of stuff. He's like stage three at the, you know, at the, the peak of stage three, like produ- productive for God. And then, boom, right after that, he runs into a wall. And it's called 13 years of wanting to be murdered by King Saul, where he's wandering He's living in hiding. And it's in that journey inward that David was in that David David is called by God himself, a man after God's own heart. Where pride was falling away, where dependency on God was skyrocketing. Later in life, David, of course, after he experienced that wall, he would experience breakthrough. And then, of course, later in life, he'd experience another wall. But that wall was a wall of shame and failure and sin. But again, he would seek breakthrough and repentance and restoration. And we have these walls that we experience in life. And in order to pass through the wall, there's a th- some things that we got to do. And so I, I, wanna, I just want you to know that hitting the wall is part of the journey, is what I'm trying to say. When we look at this, it's part of the journey. And if you aren't facing walls that need breakthrough, you will. Um, and I just know that God uses these crossroads or these walls and he doesn't cause them, but he will use them. And most assuredly, I, I can tell you that whenever you encounter the wall, that there's a journey inward that has to take place in order to experience breakthrough. It's a necessary part of the journey, which is why we are saying over and over again, revival starts within us. So I have a few things, and these are going to be quick, about the journey inward. And um, what is called the journey inward towards breakthrough. We'll kind of walk through these real Real, real, quick, real quickly. The first one is this. Trust his ways and his rhythms. Don't abandon them. You know, we've been talking about five or six weeks about this, and 
We've been talking about ways and ways. I can never say that. Ways and rhythms. I should have named this something different. I, if I can't actually say it, rays and rhythms. Uh, ways and rhythms of people who long for God. We've been talking about things like we pray more, we praise more, we, we know who we are. We've been talking about solitude. We've been talking about Sabbath. We've been talking about worshiping and praising. We've been talking about uh, serving last week, as Caleb sp spoke about that. We've been talking about these ways and rhythms, and here's what happens. When we come up against the wall, we cannot abandon those ways and rhythms. And here's what I know. So many people that I've seen come up against the wall, this is very, this is very, very normal for them to do. I've seen it over and over, over and over again. We have a wall, we have a struggle, and we quit praying. We quit praising. We quit knowing who we are. We quit, we quit resting in the Lord. We quit praising with his people. When people hit a wall, they, it's natural to feel like you're supposed to distance yourself from the Lord because you come, become disoriented. But we can't abandon the stage two and stage three things that have become so important in building our journey with the Lord. I want to encourage you, don't abandon them. Look at what it says in Hebrews 10, 23 and 25, through 25. Listen to these words. Let us hold unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he, pro he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, not giving up, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hold unswervingly. Don't give up meeting together. And sometimes it feels like his ways and his rhythms are not working. I get it. Sometimes it feels like, why am I doing this? It feels purposeless. I don't get it. And it may feel like those things are purposeless, but I tell you, they aren't purposeless. There are seasons of winter, but we got to know that after this, sometimes those seasons are long. I mean, I just mentioned David, 13 years, right? Like sometimes those seasons are way longer than they seem fair. But spring is coming. Keep looking for the breakthrough. Okay, I'm going to move to number two. These are quick points. Number two, kind of a ride along with that, we have to embrace the brokenness. In order to pass through the wall and experience breakthrough, you have, to, you have to embrace the brokenness. This is what I mean by this. You are not able to fix everything. You are not perfect. In fact, neither are they. The people around you and the world around you is broken just as much as you are broken. And until we start acknowledging that people can no, like, cannot be perfect, whenever we can acknowledge that and, ex and embrace that they are broken people as well, well, then walls of hurt and anger and bitterness can start to come down when we start to embrace the brokenness of others. In addition to that, when we sit in our questions of why me and why did this happen to me, and instead of those questions, we sit in the fact that, no, we live in a broken world, that good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people, that walls of confusion and bitterness begin to come down when we start to understand that it's actually brokenness that's causing all of this. It's not me, it's not them. It's the reality that we have to embrace that we live in a broken world. But how many of you know that God is not the source of brokenness, but he is the hope to it? God didn't cause the brokenness, but he can lead you through it and bless you through it. There are some people along in this category that, and maybe you've done this yourself, but there's some people that come up against the wall and they just bounce off of it. You know what I'm talking about? They're just like, bing, 
and they, it's called, it's, they, they kind of run from the brokenness. They avoid the brokenness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Me and some friends the other day, we were having a really deep theological discussion about the Lion King. <laughs> Anybody seen the new one? Yes. Seven of us. Um, so think about Simba, right? Simba experiences the wall in this tragedy, this unexpected tragedy, the loss of his father, Mufasa. <laughs> right? And essentially, what he does is he bounces off the wall, he runs, doesn't he? And <laughs> essentially, people like that, they stay in adolescence and they never actually mature in their faith when they run and they say things like hakuna matata instead of embracing the brokenness. Now, we went a lot deeper on this Lion King thing, but I'm going to save that for my series, upcoming series called Deconstructing Disney, but that's for later. Um, but some people bounce off the wall. Others, when they don't embrace the broken, they say to stand at the wall and they get angry and they get hurt and they're confused. And eventually what happens is they wander off. And I've seen good friends experience this where they experience a wall and the brokenness of the world. And instead of facing it and instead of trusting his ways and his rhythms, they choose to not embrace it, and they walk away. See, embracing the brokenness is an understanding that, like I said, God is not the source of the brokenness, but he is the hope to it. And God did not cause it, but he can lead you through it, and he can even bless you through it. Listen to these verses. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Listen to this part. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Revelation 21, 5. Behold, I am making all things new. I am fixing the brokenness. Third thought, we got to surrender control. Most of us like control, don't we? <laughs> um, we like to control the circumstances that we face and the direction which we're headed. I know some of you are like, I'm not really a control person. I'm like a flexible person. As long as everything goes the way I want it, I'm completely flexible. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's about as real as it gets right there. Our need for control, our grip, if you will, the need for control, I mean, it, it literally does grip our lives. We, we feel like we need it. For example, whenever we don't know the answers to the future, how, how unhinged do we become? You know what I mean? We start freaking out and doing irrational things because we're like, I don't know what's going to happen. We feel like we need, we need some sort of clarity about the steps we take. For example, our faith must be exercised, if you will, by trusting him one step at a time, but most of us like to have 10 steps at a time, do we not? But God often leads us with a lamp to our feet in which he illuminates where we stand and maybe a little bit around us. And until we take the step, knowing where he's illuminated, we won't see the next step. And so when he's a lamp to our feet, 
He doesn't give us 10 steps. He gives us one step at a time. And sometimes we're in that season where we got to trust him one step at a time. This comes out of Psalm 119, a few verses, 105 through 112. These are, these are the words of David. He wrote these over his life. This particular psalm is considered to be kind of, kind of a life's work for him. And these are words of a surrendered life. Look what it says. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. This is, this, imagine hitting a wall, all right? This is, these are words of a man who's hit a wall. I have suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again as you promised. Lord, accept my offerings of praise, but it's also words of surrender, is it not? And teach me your regulations. My life is constantly hangs in the balance. But I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. Like I say, the words of a surrendered life, God's written word and his spoken word, they are the guide to our life. They are the lamp to our feet. And even these words, I'll just point a few. I am determined. I will not stop. God, my life hangs in the balance. Restore my life again as you promise. The walls will come, and God will use them. So I want to encourage you, if you are not, if you are standing at a wall today, to take the journey inward. Don't abandon his ways and his rhythms. Embrace the brokenness. Surrender control. Because breakthrough is coming. Breakthrough may be answering the prayer exactly the way you want it answered, or it may be answering it in a way that you never saw coming. Breakthrough may be healing a disease, or it may be you finding freedom and peace in the storm and in that disease. Breakthrough may be giving you the dream that you've always wanted, or it may be giving you the dream that you never had. God uses walls to experience more of him. He refines us, matures us. It's why James says, consider it pure joy, my friends, when you encounter trials of many kinds. The journey inward eventually leads us to the journey outward and to a life of love, to a revived heart, mind, and soul. Because when we seek more of him, eventually more of him comes bursting out of us into the atmosphere we live in. Amen? So my friends, today we get to hear a story from someone in our church who has experienced one of these life-altering walls. Um, I wanna, we wanted Karen Knight to share her story because I know it's going to be encouraging to all of us. And here's the cool thing is I feel like she is, this message was not written because of her story and her story is not being placed today because of the message. But what's so crazy is I've seen her be a testimony to these three things. To where she, she has done these three things. She has trusted his ways and his rhythms. She has embraced brokenness and she has surrendered control. And I'm not going to tell you, because some of you know her story, but some of you don't. So I'm going to let you just hear it. I'm not going to tell any of it. But she's experienced God's power and God's love. And uh, you get to hear that today. And very excited about it. And Christy and Karen are going to come. Uh, Christy journeyed a lot with her through this, and so they're going to both come. And so, would you welcome Karen Knight as she comes right now? And, um, 
We're so uh, good. <laughs> We're so excited to get to share this testimony together today, and I've, we've asked that the Lord will use this in a powerful way that He'll bring breakthrough, and that you know I've been especially praying that there will be not one word that's not from Him, and um, so anyway, I just wanted to introduce Karen. Um, she's been coming to our church for a little over a year and a half. It was a year in e- Easter that she came here. And um, so she moved here from Washington State for a job and didn't really know a lot of people. Um, and God is so good in even how he sets up friendships and how we walk through things because Karen and I were acquaintances before I would talk to her on Sunday mornings. She sat right here and we would talk or, you know, say hi or whatever. Um, but we weren't really very close friends. And the week that... Um, her, this story began, she had called me um, just about three days before, and we had had about a 45-minute conversation on the phone about something else. And um, and even in that, I know the Lord is so good to have just, he He sets out our path, you know, every every step that we take, he's so good to do that, because I know that if, he, if that hadn't happened, um, we wouldn't have been able to experience this together. So... She called me that week, um, and then uh, three days later she called and said, um, hey, you know, I'm not feeling very good, and I think I need to go to the ER, and so I was wondering if you or someone could come with me. Um, and uh, so we went together, and that's where the story kind of begins, right? Yes, it does. <laughs> you can put that one picture up. I think a picture is worth a thousand words. How about two pictures? Uh, so we'll kind of tell you more about that. Uh, yes, yeah, so prior to going to the ER on a Friday, on that previous Monday, I had um, experienced uh, the loss um, of an extremely close loved one. And uh, it was a devastating loss. And uh, so... Um, I also was in uh, a lot of pain. Uh, I thought I had kidney stones, uh, which if you have had kidney stones, it's a lot of pain. And so I was um, not at my strongest point when I was at the ER. I was very fragile uh, emotionally and physically when I was there. And um, by the time I left, uh, let me tell you, I wanted those kidney stones back uh, because uh, what I... Uh, heard there uh, wasn't really, it's just like the movies, you guys, uh, just like the books. You, you hear the C word and everything else goes away. Uh, the doctor came in after the CAT scan and she said, uh, can I share the results in front of, uh, she pointed to Christy, I said, well, sure. Uh, I was thinking, you know, you have a kidney stone this big and... <laughs> And so that's what I was thinking. That's what my whole mind was on. And then she said, you have ovarian cancer. Uh, I didn't even hear ovarian. Later, I was telling people I had uterine cancer. And Christy had to say, it's ovarian cancer. I'm like, it's all the same. It's cancer. So uh, it was a a super scary moment to go in um, how I did and then leave uh, essentially after the oncologist appointment just a few days later, uh, realizing that I had... um, stage four ovarian cancer, and um, it had spread uh, a lot of places, so. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, um, Karen and I talked about this when we were in the ER. She had been coming to the prayer room every week for an entire year on Saturday at a specific time, 
And she looked at me and she said, I've been praying for my breakthrough, you know. And um, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> uh, it, but still, she said, it is well with my soul. I know the Lord will do what he wants with this. And so. So uh, my spiritual part of this started in January before any of this happened. Is uh, Some of you ask for the Lord to give you a word for the year. And I did that as well. And I felt like in January, the Lord gave me for my year the word surrender. And um, so you have to understand. So, like, I'm a planner. I'm a scheduler. Um, anybody out there like me? Okay, so uh, if I got to get it on the calendar. I have lists, and then I have lists for my lists. And so um, I was like, surrender. Yeah, okay, God. And then... Um, I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I like to tell God how best to do things. And I was like, can I, like, on Go Fish, put that word back and get a different word? Like, what about, like, breakthrough? That's what I want. And I sensed the still small voice inside saying, if you'll, um, if you'll surrender to me, you'll get the breakthrough. So I was like, okay, you know best. And um, so that's... Uh, the spiritual journey really was that uh, is just of, of complete surrender. The story in the Bible um, of the man who was paralyzed and his friends took him to Jesus, the healer. Uh, I always identify uh, gung-ho with the friends, like I'm going to take people to Jesus. But for the first time in my life, um, I was the man on the, the paralyzed man on the mat. I couldn't take myself anywhere. Uh, I couldn't schedule it, put it on the calendar, make it happen. Uh, I really had to absolutely surrender and, um, and let people take me uh, to the Lord. Uh, I think there's a scripture that we have. We can just flash that up there, Exodus 14, 14. Some friends that were praying in Nairobi, Kenya, said that they had a word for me, and it was Exodus 14, 14. And, um, yeah, I know that... You know, when you get cancer, people are like, you're a fighter, you're strong, you're going to kick its butt. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not, I can't kick anything's butt. And um, this scripture, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So for me, in my journey, it was about surrender and it was about um, God fighting for me. And how many of you know, we're his arms and and. Uh, his hands, his feet, we're his body. And so it was really uh, the people who prayed for me, many, many people in this room, my family and friends who prayed for me uh, that uh, the Lord used to fight for me. So going back to that picture, Karen was about as sick as anyone I'd ever seen. I have never experienced anything like this personally in my entire life. Tim and I have experienced a lot of hardships with people um, you know, and we've had to pastor people through a lot of things, but I personally have never seen anyone so close to death. Um, and so, um, you know, we were praying and asking God for healing, but it was very, very grim. And uh, so you can talk about that a little bit and then talk about your last doctor's visit. So um, ended up being in the hospital for a total of 20 days. Eight of those days, I was completely unresponsive. Uh, my daughter came from Portland and left, stayed and left, and I didn't even know she was there. Um, she called my son, and they planned my funeral. 
And every single person that visited me in the hospital during that time said that they left not thinking that I would last the night. Uh, as you can see, <laughs> that wasn't um, photoshopped. <laughs> That's what I actually looked like over there. I uh, didn't even know that picture was taken. Um, and uh, I lost 30 pounds like in six weeks uh, when I would stand up wearing my little pajama bottoms, they would fall to my ankles. Um, I had, they would come in and drain, I had uh, abdominal fluid and they would drain it with needles. Um, I had a, a tube in my lung because I had cancerous fluid all around my lung and so I had that drained almost every day and it was like a big um, pitcher, like an, a pitcher of um, cranberry juice it looked like. It was just terrible. I had that almost every day drained, um, not just in the hospital, but when I came home as well. So uh, I was in very, very bad shape. And um, yeah, so. She was being fed artificially, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then your last doctor's visit. Um, yeah, thanks for reminding me. So I had an IV. I was fed intravenously for a month, an entire month. And um, uh, I was super excited. I've never been excited to gain seven pounds before, but I was like, woo! So that was exciting. Um, so anyway, after all that, um, I, I had three chemotherapies, uh, three chemotherapy treatments, and uh, then you have this midpoint CAT scan to see how you're doing. And I felt much better, as you can see in the right picture. I was um, rocking the Texas uh, wigs, uh, the Texas hair wigs, and uh, I was feeling so much better, and yet, um, you know, if, whenever you have bad news, there's always like, you're looking over your shoulder, like, oh man, how's that scan going to happen, and on Sunday, prior to the scan, someone really prayed for me that I just would not um, have my eyes on the markers, but really on Jesus, and I read a devotional that week that talked about race car drivers that in the simulators and when they're taught, they're taught to keep their eyes on the road because if they're distracted at all, it could mean the loss of their life. And that is exactly how I felt. Like I was in the race for my life. And if I got distracted at all, if I allowed that um, and kept, didn't keep my eyes on Jesus, that it, it could mean the loss of my life. And so that's kind of where I was when I entered um, the uh, hospital, or excuse me, the cancer center for the reading of the CAT scan. Um, you want me just to go on? So I, I got in there and the oncologist came in. She hadn't seen me since I looked like that since I had been in the hospital. And she just was amazed, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you look like this. And she's pretty just down to earth. So she was just hyped, like, oh. And she sat down on the stool. And she said, your CAT scan looks so good. There's no definitive measurable sign of disease. Yeah. If you can put the one picture up there of what I looked like when I heard that. <laughs> so, um, but my mind's still reeling. And she's saying that in Dr. E's, right? Like no definitive measurable sign of cancer. So I was kind of, we were kind of like, so what does that mean? <laughs> and uh, she said that on the CAT scan prior that um, she could see obviously the cancer in my ovaries, but that it had been all over my intestines, my lungs, my diaphragm, my rectum, and it was like moss all over. And that now on the picture, there was nothing, you couldn't see it at all. 
and um, yeah. Yeah, and this is just halfway through chemo and less than four months after diagnosis. And so we just believe we're claiming this as a miracle from the Lord. And, um, you know, I just want to close by saying I was reading, I had just started reading When Heaven Invades Earth uh, by Bill Johnson when this happened. And I had to put it down for a while because it kind of rocked my world and I had some a hard time believing even some of these things. But, you know, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And um, so this should be, as we pray, Karen sowed those seeds in the prayer room for a year, and now she's reaping the harvest, right? And so we have to believe that our, as our primary focus of prayer, if it exists in heaven, it can exist on earth. And what he has done once, he will do again. All right? Matthew 16, 19 says, uh, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. 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 <laughs> Go ahead and show that picture of the, of the, uh, yeah. I just want to, I just want to zero in on that. You know what I'm saying? No definitive measurable disease. Pretty amazing. You know, two weeks ago, before she went to the doctor, she was here on Sunday, and we get over with uh, the service, and we're talking, and she goes, Lord, give me a vision today that I'm going to be standing on that stage telling everybody I'm cancer-free. You know what I'm saying? Like... So we're going to worship the God who's the healer, right? We welcome the healer in this place when we began the morning. We're going to worship. Van, you can go ahead and make your way up. Uh, but as we respond this morning and worship, um, feel free to sing, but also feel free to come and pray. You get to hear a story of breakthrough, of course, but we know that for a lot of us, we're standing at the wall still. We have endured the wall for a long time. We've endured the hardship, the struggle, whatever it is that we're facing. And you're like, Lord, I'm asking too. And uh, I just want you to know that the, that the wall is part of the journey. That we know where you're, we understand where you're at, but trust his ways and his rhythms. Embrace what's going on. Give him the control. Say, Lord, I'll follow you a step at a time. But just as we've been saying, come together, let's pray together, share this with others and say, hey, can you join us? We'll join you in, in the fight, if you will, join you in the prayer. But we're just going to pray today. This altar's open, our prayer team's here, but we're going to sing to praise to God because he is worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us? And I'm going to pray for us. Father, we pray that as we take time today to just continue to celebrate you, continue to praise you because you're worthy of all of our praise. I pray today for any person in this room that's been dealing with a wall, dealing with doubts, dealing with questions or struggles, I pray right now the Father that they would, that a testimony would increase faith, that a testimony would encourage, that Father your word and your love would encourage, it would surround right now. I pray for any person in this room that would even say, I don't even know if I know Jesus. I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. I pray right now for them, that Lord, that they would say yes to Jesus. They'd surrender their life. If that's you right now, you can surrender your life to Jesus to say, Lord, I'm yours for the rest of my life. 
I'm yours for the rest of my life. I surrender my life to you. You can pray that right now on your own. Say, Jesus, I want to be yours for the rest of my life. I pray, Father, that as we praise you today, that, Father, this, this would be just us lifting up hearts of joy, wanting to give you glory for your goodness. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.